Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the beautiful, still smoke-free Flathead Valley. It's Friday, August 19th. Every week, the staff of the Flathead Beacon strive to report on the important news stories affecting the Flathead Valley and deliver it to you in a nice, neat 50-ish page packet, plus daily online content, of course. But also, sometimes we try to bring you a group of light-hearted stories that are just as worthwhile to read. This week, the Beacon published its annual drinks edition, where instead of a single in-depth feature article, we brought a package of thematically linked stories about various things that can be consumed via straw, glass, or mug. Certainly, the most striking piece was the subject of the Beacon's cover image, a tale of two local bars and their take on the classic Bloody Mary cocktail. Staff reporter Mike Cordenbrock spent days interviewing bartenders, examining recipes, and tasting cocktails around Flathead Lake, with media director Hunter D'Antuano in tow, to capture every celery and shrimp-filled drink. Of course, if you have seen the cover of The Beacon, you know that one rendition of this drink involves not just celery and shrimp, but wontons, potstickers, and a double-decker cheeseburger slider. The two of them joined me today to talk about their venture into the realm of Bloody Marys. But before we get to that chat, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, there's some extra perks involved too. So to find out more or join today, visit beacon-editors-club.com. All right, I am joined in the podcast studio today by two members of the Flathead Beacon team, staff writer Mike Cordenbrock and media director Hunter D'Antuano. Fellas, thanks for coming up today. Thanks so much, Micah. So possibly we have put out one of the best issues of the Flathead Beacon in my time here. This is our annual drinks issue. All of our main feature stories were focused on various things that you can consume through a straw or a uh, cup or a mug, including our cover story. I guess we'd really call it the cover because the photo is the most striking photo I think we've ever run off the cover of the Beacon. A magnificent Bloody Mary. And this is a story streamed up by and reported on and photographed by these two wonderful gentlemen. So let's start with Mike. We pitched a lot of random stories for this drinks issue, and uh, you really honed in on on this one right away. Tell me tell me about this idea and how you came up to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, rather selfishly, I, I chose something that I'm sort of already interested in, already enjoy myself. Yeah, I'm a big Bloody Mary fan, and I would, I would say uh, that that appreciation has sort of taken off over the last year or two. Uh, I had a good friend in, in back when I was living in Billings, a friend of mine who worked at the paper, who uh, had some experience in the restaurant industry. And as, as I found out reporting this story, people often learn how to make Bloody Marys from somebody else. It's this uh, kind of unique pattern. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are self-taught, but mm. it seems like a lot of the time you learn from somebody else. Anyways, yeah, a friend of mine showed me his recipe. I started riffing on that, and the timing really kind of works out because uh, 
I am an NFL fan. We'll and uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely enjoy fixing up a Bloody Mary and, and sort of watching some of those morning football games on Sundays in the fall. And we're getting pretty close to the NFL season. So short version, Bloody Marys are already on my mind. <laughs> Find out we're doing a drinks issue. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty easy choice. Well, there's many establishments in the Valley that offer the Bloody Mary as part of their cocktail menu. You picked two on opposite sides of uh, Flathead Lake. How did you pick these two? And let's have the both of you just tell me about uh, how it went going down there. Two mornings, uh, we didn't see you in the office till rather late because you had to uh, start your day off reporting, drinking, and, and photographing Bloody Marys. So kind of talk us through some of that. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could say I was clever enough to have gone in from the outset with, with the establishments on the opposite shores of the lake, but it just sort of happened to work out that way, and I, and I realized that as I was working on this. Spinnaker, it's a great place. I already had some familiarity with it, but um, I, as I was working on this story, I sort of put out the call to friends and acquaintances, some of them in, in group chats that I'm in, and, and asked, you know, does anybody have good suggestions for Bloody Marys? And um, somebody who actually had, had been a distributor for a distillery in Montana uh, suggested the Spinnaker to me. They'd, they'd heard good things about it. So that was that was how it started. And then got down to the Spinnaker and uh, as things were winding down, uh, a group of women came in, sat at the bar, and one of them ordered a Bloody Mary. So sure enough, I introduced myself, kind of explained what I'm working on, and uh, she suggested the sitting duck and and told me uh, it's it's kind of hard to describe, but you know she she told me that their their Bloody Mary is quite quite over the top in a, in a good way. So so from there, you know, uh, I called up the sitting duck. I think later that day, and they were glad to have us. And so I, you know, we went on down. It was it was actually Spinnaker was the morning, sitting duck was an afternoon, and uh, the Spinnaker visit actually was the morning after the marathon, I would say five and a half hour River Highlands, uh, Columbia Falls planning board meeting. So, so it was a nice change of pace. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hunter, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to, to this, but that's, that's how this sort of went into motion, I guess. Well, you know, as a photographer, uh, photographing colorful drinks is just absolutely thrilling for more reason than one. But um, yeah, the uh, both I, I really kind of like the uh, uh, the juxtaposition of the of the two bloodies. Here we've got the Spinnaker, which is you know a very um, kind of tasteful, no frills, straightforward sort of deal. Um, just kind of uh, sitting there at an already hot morning, uh, you know, the sweat building up on the Bud Light glass it was poured in. Uh, and, you know, just a simple couple olives, you know, spear of asparagus, nothing crazy, you know, just, yeah. uh, just you know, you know, working man's Bloody Mary for sure <laughs> right there. But then by contrast, then you go over to the sitting duck and I think uh, over the top is... Uh, almost an understatement onto itself. <laughs> you get over there and um, 
it looks as though a uh, some sort of uh, by the time they dress it up with uh, a couple of shrimp and the wonton and the egg roll and the pot stick or whatever else they had on there, I can't even remember. Uh, you know, it's like it was some uh, creature from the depths of Flathead Lake had been, you know, uh, you know, stuffed into this glass here. But it looked amazing. I suppose I could speak to the uh, the cover image that we were talking about there. Um, that was, you know, the first challenge of getting that cover shot was moving the Bloody Mary to the dock without spilling it. Um, <laughs> and that worked. And, of course, uh, the bartender, Dakota, you know, shouts to me as I'm, like, balancing this this uh, this Bloody Mary down the stairs with all my camera gear. He's like, nobody spilled one yet. I thought for sure I was going to be jinxed, but... <laughs> But I made it. Got out there. You know, I was I was sweating about as much as the uh, the cold glass on that Bloody Mary has uh, out in the out in the hot sun. Um, just kind of waiting for various things to happen, maybe some paddle boarders to go by, just to see if there was any background elements that would enhance it. But ultimately, the best picture was when I decided to move the Bloody Mary to the end of the dock in a real clean background, and um, I put two uh, strobe units. Uh, turned them up to full power, placed them on either side of the Bloody Mary to blast it with light because, again, the sun was behind the Bloody Mary, casting a very harsh shadow that was fortunately able to uh, overcome with uh, a couple changes of uh, AA batteries. The the aesthetics are, are a big part of this, especially with what ran off the cover, but uh, you don't order a Bloody Mary just because it looks pretty or, or looks classic. Uh, you order it for a reason, because it tastes good, that's necessary in the mornings. Mike, can you speak to these two drinks? Give us the flavor profiles. Why would you pick one versus the other? And and how would you honestly rate them in your mind? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll try and I'll try and tackle that. And just to backtrack quickly for people who maybe have not seen the cover image yet. I did in my storage just try and inventory <laughs> everything that goes into the Sitting Ducks Bloody Mary. It's it's called the works. So and a lot of this stuff is just skewered and sort of balanced in the glass. It's a nice um, bouquet on top of the drink. Yeah, yeah. So it's double cheeseburger slider, uh, an egg roll, fried wonton or pot sticker, um, two shrimp. A strip of bacon, pretty large strip of bacon, um, pickled asparagus, pepperoncini, green olive. There's a salted rim and there's a wedge of lime. So that's I don't know if you can visualize that, but uh, that's that's what we're dealing with. So back to your questions. I, I, uh, you're, you're give, give us to... the flavor profiles, and then in what instance would you be ordering either of yeah, these? Yeah, okay. Um, flavor profiles. This is going to be, you know, uh, I'll do what I can with this. Uh, okay, so we're the, not experts here. Sure, sure. Amateur Bloody Mary hour. The Spinnaker Bloody Mary is it's very straightforward, mm. and I and I I think that comes across in this story, but. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. You know, you get the two green olives in there, the pick, the pickled spear of asparagus. And, um, you know, the bartender there, she doesn't really get into a lot of the, when some people make Bloody Marys, they pour pickle juice and olive juice and Clamato. And, and I, I 
don't mind that in my Bloody Mary. <laughs> but but her her strategy is just much more, you know, kind of stick to the basics and Tabasco. It's horseradish, which gets spooned out with cocktail straws, <laughs> which is, um, you know, definitely pretty unique sort of measuring device. But uh, it definitely lends it a kind of, you know, kind of authenticity that that's just how it's made. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was easy drinking. It was refreshing. And and uh, I think because it's such a much more like pared down recipe, you get it in your hands a little bit more quickly. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just like a couple minutes, maybe. Uh, whereas the sitting duck, you know, I think understandably that that drink is, you know, you're going to get it in 10 to 15 minutes. And if it's crowded, it might be a little bit longer. Mm. Yeah. And that's, and that's you know, that's nobody's fault. I, I just, I hope people understand that, that drink like that you can't really just like snap your fingers and, and have it in your hand i mean a lot of the food is is coming out of the kitchen hot and you can sort of tell that it's getting close when uh the bartender starts you know getting his skewers in hand and <laughs> he, he's got it's both both um both catherine at the spinnaker and dakota at the sitting duck it, it's it is kind of it's a little bit funny that they both have like this very kind of regimented order that these drinks come together, which, you know, I'm, maybe that's just very typical for how people do these things. I mean, when I make my Bloody Mary, it's like first few steps are always in order. And then after that, I just kind of just uh, get a little crazy <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he's, he has a very, Dakota has a very, uh, specific order that everything gets skewered and arranged in the glass so that mm-hmm. it so that it all fits and it all has the right sort of look to it um what is the what does the drink at the sitting duck taste like like the drink part yeah the actual bloody yeah so it's a lot it's a lot like i said there's a lot more going on with that mm-hmm. in terms of just um flavors it's it's a lot less straightforward than the spinnaker the sitting duck one there's clearly like a brininess to it um so you know i don't know all of what goes in it but um i didn't really and and hunter might remember differently i didn't find either of them to be like very spicy Mm. which is fine um uh but yeah the, the sitting duck there's definitely um it's it's definitely got sort of that brinier, saltier flavor profile, um, and I mean, there's also a salted rim, which which you know kind of plays into that too. So, as to when you would order either one, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so the the maybe kind of flippant answer would be, well, if you're at the Spinnaker, you order one there. <laughs> if you're at the Sitting Duck, you order one there. Just depends on where you are. Um, no, I mean, obviously they're they're associated with hangovers, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not hungover when I drink Bloody Marys. I, I mean, yeah, I just enjoy the drink, and I think a lot of people just enjoy the drink. It's not necessarily because they are haunted by last night's decisions yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh. You know, and beyond that, the the one very rather specific caveat with the sitting duck is that this Bloody Mary called the Works, they're only selling them 
making them from noon to 3 p.m. <laughs> and I got to emphasize that because because I was I was told over the course of reporting this story that this drink is I mean it's clearly it's it's just very um it's very photogenic mm-hmm. and uh so people are people are sharing photos of this I th- think pretty widely and uh so there's a lot of excitement people hear about this bloody mary they come on down to the sitting duck but in all of these photos that go back and forth I don't think it often gets included that this is this is a noon to 3 p.m. drink it's actually not even a morning drink there. If you if you get this specific kind, you can order a normal Bloody Mary there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so noon to three p.m. is is a specific caveat. And take take note of that if anyone's interested in going. Yeah, and and then on top of that, I, it came out a little bit in some of my conversations for this story. But you know, because it's a little bit more of a labor intensive, complicated drink. No matter where, pretty much no matter. What, I mean, at the Spinnaker and at the Sitting Duck. Um, you just want to try and be conscious of what's going on. If, <laughs> if a bartender is slammed, you know, uh, you can, you know, just just be aware of that when you order a Bloody Mary and and make sure to tip well. Um, yeah. Always be sure to tip well in these things. Uh, Hunter, without quite the uh, background and connoisseurship of Bloody Marys that Mike here has, do you have any thoughts? I'm assuming you were able to taste them as well as as well as photographing them. Do you have any thoughts on the two of them? Oh, I, I certainly did sample uh, both, and uh, you know, I, I no, I don't profess to be a uh, Bloody Mary uh, expert by any stretch of the imagination. However, I would say um, the the Sitting Duck, uh, as Mike said, was definitely more complex in their Bloody Mary. Um, the the Sitting Duck Bloody Mary has a little more kick to it, a little more, I'd say, almost traditional uh, Bloody Mary uh, kick, um, while the uh, Again, the Spinnaker's was more uh, a little more subdued, straightforward, uh, bloody. But I guess you know the ultimate question is too, as yeah, depending which side of the lake you're on, and depending on whether you if you want a drink, you go to Spinnaker. If you want a meal, you can go to <laughs> over to the Sitting Duck. Uh, you know, either way, as uh, a real lake rat myself, uh, the uh, the ambiance in, in both locations uh, really sells. Uh, uh, both places as a watering hole for Bloody Marys or otherwise. Well, last thing I have then, uh, since this has come out, have you been flooded, Mike, with people telling you where else you need to go check out? Or are there other places that are on your radar from pre-reporting that you are in- interested in in adding to the to the lineup? Yeah, um, I have not been flooded with suggestions, but I would welcome them. Um, Excellent. And I mean, I don't really have a huge list of other <laughs> places that came up in the course of this. I mean, really, that sort of first um, that call for call for tips that I that I put out, I, I didn't get a ton back, but mm. Spinnaker was one of them. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm. Yeah, and I like I like to make my own Bloody Marys. I mean, but yeah, next time I'm in the Spinnaker, if this, if this <laughs> the timing is right, you know, I'm not going to order one at you know five p.m. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd gladly go back there or or the Sitting Duck. I mean, sort of the internal debate I've been having when I think about going back to the Sitting Duck is 
do I get that? <laughs> do I get the works or do you just ask for a regular one? I do have to ask, could you finish the works like in one sitting? Like, is it a too much food? Is it just enough? I, I think it's it's just enough. Hmm. It actually was really nice um, <laughs> snack. I, I mean, it it's, you know, I think part of it is going to be your tolerance for, for just that kind of food. Hmm. I mean, again, it's couple items that are fried it's a it's a slider cheeseburger it's, it's shrimp so you know those are things that you enjoy i mean I, I don't think i don't think folks are gonna be overwhelmed but you definitely it's definitely satisfying i mean it's it's yeah it's great well this is some phenomenal reporting phenomenal photography from the both of you uh we really appreciate it uh everyone can go and read the story online at flatheadbeacon.com or pick up the latest issue that cover story really or cover photo really stands out on the newsstands. But thank you both. And any Bloody Mary suggestions can go to Mike at flatheadbeacon.com. Uh, thanks guys for all your hard work. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Mike. Bloody Marys, whether traditional or skewed towards an entire meal, are delicious, but they might not be your cup of tea. But no worries, the Beacon Drinks issue also features a story about locally grown tea, solar-powered food trucks, and local mocktails. Be sure to pick up a copy of The Beacon at newsstands in Northwest Montana or go online to read all of those stories. And of course, a big thanks to Mike and Hunter for joining the pod today and telling us about their reporting adventures. As for a little extra news this week, I'm going to give you a quick overview of the local fires burning near the Flathead Valley, accurate as of Thursday afternoon. While we have been relatively lucky this summer with limited smoke filling the valley, fire season is certainly in full swing with eight named fires currently surrounding the Flathead Valley. The Elmo 2 fire that was burning southwest of Flathead Lake near Lake Mary Ronan is almost 80% contained as it has shown little to no growth over the last week. Just south of that, however, between Polson and Hot Springs, the Garceau fire, uh, possibly not how you pronounce that, uh, has rapidly expanded in the last few days since it was discovered. The fire was started by an electric fence and is now over 3,000 acres and pushing west towards the Little Bitterroot River but currently there are no evacuations in place or structures threatened. Continuing south, the Redhorn Fire continues to burn high up in the Mission Mountains above St. Ignatius, but is not growing very rapidly. Moving counterclockwise up the east side of the Flathead, two fires are burning in the Bob Marshall Wilderness Area, the Cannon Fire Complex in the Swan Mountains, and the Dean Creek Fire in the heart of the wilderness. The Cannon Fire is roughly a 1,000 acres and has prompted road and trail closures in the Spotted Bear Ranger District as of Thursday, so check those if you're planning on doing any recreation in the Bob Marshall. Up in Glacier National Park, a 150-acre fire is burning above Quartz Lake, and the park did implement trail and campsite closures on Thursday. All the way up north across the Canadian border, the Weasel Fire is straddling that border and it has grown to about 4,000 acres in size and it is growing mostly to the north further into British Columbia. And finally, the Sutton Fire is burning near the Kootenai River about 13 miles south of Eureka and was just over 100 acres in size as of this morning. More information on all of these fires can be found online in updates that we post on flatheadbeacon.com, my Twitter account, or by visiting each incident at ncweb.com. 
www.nwcg.gov. That's I-N-C-I-W-E-B dot N-W-C-G dot gov. If you just Google NCWeb, I-N-C-I-Web, you'll be able to pull it all up. That's all I've got for you today. As always, stay up to date on all of the latest local news online at flatheadbeacon.com. This episode was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. Music in this episode includes songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray, who's kind enough to let me use them. Thanks again to our guests, and thanks for listening. <laughs>